You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. It's time for the great debate on the Paracast with Gene and Chris. And the great debaters consist in alphabetical order of John Alexander and Stanton Friedman, both of whom have been on the show before. And although they both accept the reality of UFOs, they have different ideas about whether there's a cosmic Watergate that the government, any government on our planet, has guilty knowledge about the existence of extraterrestrial spacecraft. So we're going to have that discussion. We're also going to focus on the other issues, such as the MJ-12 documents indicating a committee that allegedly investigated the Roswell and other cases. We also have questions from our listeners. Tons of action to go through, so I'm going to keep the introductions to a minimum, and I'm going to ask some questions. Chris is going to ask some questions, and we'll allow the participants, because this is not a formal political debate, as you've been seeing now, to talk with each other. They can ask each other questions. Okay. And because they are so many thousands of miles apart, it's not as if they could walk through the microphone and beat each other up. <laughs> Although that might be a change, you know, instead of having just the well, knockdown drag Well, remember, yes. John is an expert on non-lethal weapons, so... <laughs> That's true. I don't need to worry about him. Non-lethal so it doesn't hurt. <laughs> okay, so you can beat up Stan, but he won't feel it. Right. No, the other way around. <laughs> or vice versa. Okay. When we had you on before, John, I think one of the questions I asked you was about so-called UFO secrecy. I take it you do not accept the proposition that the government has guilty knowledge about the reality of UFOs. Do I take that correctly? Yep. They don't care. Would you be more specific? More specific than they don't care? I, I don't know how to say that. They, it's just not on their agenda. All this call for government disclosure, it's a it waste of time. It's been happening and happening and happening, and any number of countries have come forward. Uh, U.S. has come forward. There's a website where you get a DOD website that uh, you can go up there and hit uh, all of the agencies and whatnot. I'd say there's the possibility that there's something hidden in somebody's drawer, yeah, but uh, anything significant, uh, I don't think so. Stan, you disagree. I am in, I totally disagree with that. Uh, I've read John's book, and there are certainly parts of it that I agree with, uh, especially about uh, Colonel Corso, etc. But uh, I think he missed the boat. Uh, I think we are dealing with a cosmic Watergate. I think there are three genuine MJ-12 documents. He is wrong when he says that the government has released all kinds of stuff. I mean, well, it depends on definition. The National Security Agency turned up 156 UFO documents, and they're released, except that you can only read one sentence per page. There are a number of CIA, those were top secret Umbra documents, I might Specifically, Stan, one sentence per page, meaning everything else was redacted, blacked out? No, it was whited out. <laughs> one way or the other. Literally, and that was because I used to show the blacked out ones on television. I called them and asked for the new set, and she knew who I was because... She heard that I showed them on television without saying that what was blacked out was method, sources and methods information, which is a legitimate reason for uh, redacting stuff. But when you get the CIA blacked out 
the top secret, not the secret ones, the top secret UFO documents, and they're so labeled by them, uh, you find that uh, you can read six or eight words per page. Everything else is blacked out, literally redacted, if you will. Is there any hint, Stan, as to what they're blacking out? Anything to be inferred by the context? Only that it's UFO-related. You have no way of knowing. You've got one sentence per page that you can read and a few isolated words that you can read in the CIA top secret stuff. Now, I'm not talking about secret stuff, and that's where I, again, disagree with John. Yes, there's no question. The uh, uh, United Kingdom has released a, a bunch of documents, the DOD, uh, their uh, MOD, and France has released them. There's no evidence any of those are top secret. And a very important point that John doesn't deal with in his book is the statement of General Carol Bolander, Air Force General, who was asked, what should we do about Project Blue Book? It's in 1969, after the Condon Committee had recommended closing it because it wasn't contributing any. He had no, no previous history with Blue Book, and he did a study, and it was his memo that led to the closure at the end of 69. And in it, he said, reports of UFOs, which could affect national security, are made in accordance with JNAP 146 or Air Force Manual 55-11 and are not part of the Blue Book system. Two paragraphs later, he says, if we close Project Blue Book, the public won't have a place to report sightings. However, as previously noted, reports which could affect national security will continue to be investigated using the procedures established for that purpose. I located General Bolander 10 years later, and I said, sounds like you're talking about a, a two, two separate channel communication system. She said, yes. So puts a whole different light on things. The good stuff didn't, you can't get on the Internet. You can't get from the government agencies in any of the countries that have released data. I'll tell you why. At this point, I think John is champing at the bit. John, what is your response? Of course. Uh, but, you know, again, it goes back to national security. Uh, and that's where everything hinges. Now, I argue, and having looked at both sides of it um, and seen the, the TF stuff, they probably should have investigated more and harder than they actually did. Uh, the sightings that uh, Stan's you know, well aware of in northern tier and where missiles come offline, you're interacting with our strategic systems, basically looked at it and came back with a, what the hell? Uh, you know, we can't figure it out, doesn't happen again, we're not going to worry about it. But it did happen again. But the point is that the documents you say reveal everything they know don't reveal what they know. And national security was, the, of course, the objective. And we would agree there's a lot of junk out there. Holy cow. <laughs> It'll keep you busy for ages reading that stuff. But the good stuff hasn't shown up. And I don't think you and your group of people had a need to know for I guess you're going to tell me related that, yeah. stuff. Then you're going what? to tell me that the directors of these agencies don't have a need to know. I'm going to say that they wouldn't tell you if you oh. did, didn't have a need to know, and there's no evidence that you provided that you did. Yeah, that's always a possibility and the easy way out, uh, but I am the one who has gone one-to-one with more of these folks than anybody else. I would agree and with I that, John. In, and I will go, you know, specifically the one that comes up, uh, of course, has to do with SDI. And um, I can tell you, not even cognizant 
uh, of the topic, uh, let alone involved. Would you define what you meant by SDI, John? Oh, Star Wars, the Strategic Defense Initiative. Okay, yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, now Reagan, in, Reagan and Teller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In ufology, you know, that was put together to fight ET. Uh, if you believe some of the more radical rumors, um, again, well. Abramson was one of the people that I met with. Uh, I know a couple of the tech directors, and one of them whom I've now identified, uh, Dean Judd, intimately, knew him for years. We discussed this in considerable detail. In addition to being the uh, guy in, in charge of the technical director for Star Wars, he was later the National Intelligence Officer for Science and Technology. That's where it all comes together. And we discussed this. We discussed it in tanks. We discussed it privately uh, for years. The only reason I identify him now is that he unfortunately died suddenly a little over a year ago. And just, you know, hard to believe, but not on their scope. I'll tell you what we'll go into. We'll go into the scopes of okay. the supposed okay. knowledge or lack of knowledge on the part of the government on UFOs, with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman. You're joined with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. I've got to tell you about this. GoToMeeting by Citrix, the way I meet online with my colleagues, has just added high-definition group video conferencing. It's called GoToMeeting with HD Faces. Now you can collaborate with anyone around the world face-to-face. And I've used GoToMeeting HD Faces because it's awesome. You see the facial expressions, and that can express so much more than words. Of course, the video quality is so clear and natural, it's got the highest resolution in the industry. Nothing compares. GoToMeeting with HD Faces will make your online meetings even more personal, engaging, and effective. Plus, it's so easy to use. All you need is an internet connection and a webcam. I want you to try GoToMeeting with HD Faces. My listeners can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Use the promo code PODCAST. The promo code is PODCAST at GoToMeeting.com. Hey everybody, Jason Lewis here once again. These are hard times for investors. If you're like me, you just don't know where to put your money because there's a downside to every possible scenario. Now look, every portfolio needs a hedge for inflation. Gold has been the classic. I want to tell you, I want to be honest with you, commodities fluctuate. So you could lose money. Gold goes up and down. But every stable portfolio usually has an inflation hedge and gold is, well, the gold standard. Washington is not going to get us out of this recovery. So you've got to protect yourself. Give it some thought. And if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but it's lost a lot of its value since then. Call Midas Resources today, 1-800-686-2237 for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237 and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. 
Still ready to save? Then you're ready for the fall super sale at HerbalHealer.com. HerbalHealer.com has been the leader in quality natural supplements since 1988. Log on to HerbalHealer.com and take advantage of incredible fall savings on all sale products running through October 18th. HerbalHealer.com is proud to offer eFoods Global Products, premium storable foods that are delicious, contain no MSG, no trans fats, no GMO, and have a 25-year shelf life. All you do is just add water. To learn more, click the eFoods link on HerbalHealer.com and you can try eFood storable meals for free. And don't forget to click the specials link for even more savings at HerbalHealer.com. Be sure to sign up for our free newsletter. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature one person at a time. Hurry, sale ends October 18th. You can't argue with success, and many people have found great success in fighting back colds and flu viruses with Ali C, the world's best garlic extract. So now, it's time to get even more success with the other great quality natural products from Affinity Health Products, like C-Energy Liquid Vitamins, Lose and Snooze, and the One Day Diet, or Human Growth Hormone Support menopause specialist for women and joint specialist see these and many other quality affinity health products for men and women online at affinityhealthproducts.com that's a-f-f-i-n-i-t-y healthproducts.com or call in your orders at 877-888-7126 that's 1-877-888-7126 trust your health to the makers of ali c the world's best garlic extract Affinity Health Products, the finest and most innovative natural health products available. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com that's theparacast.com or check us out at iTunes with Gene and Chris you're in the Paracast the great debate with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman John you were talking about once again the fact you believe that UFOs as far as the government is concerned, it's not important to them. It's not on their radar. Well, well, well I, I realized I used sort of a military term. We say not on their scope. What we mean is it's a euphemism for radar scopes and, and that there's absolutely nothing there. Yeah, but now, they have they, seen UFOs on radar, John. Well, and, and let That's me... That's not me... the point. It's the euphemism is the point. They simply don't care. When, when uh, Bob Bigelow and I went to uh, space command to talk to them about some really straightforward thing. Again, UFO is a very side issue. We were talking about manned space, and they weren't even cognizant of what was coming, you know, with Burt Rutan and what Bigelow's doing and, and that sort of thing. For them, manned space was strictly the International Space Station. So if you think the space architecture is aware of these things, cares, it's just simply not true. Well, John, but that makes a good argument for there being another 
an independent agency, call it Majestic 12, if you will, just as, you know, President Truman didn't know about the Manhattan Project when he was vice president. He didn't have a need to know. It wasn't part of the scope of his work. It took 13 mm. days after he became president. Okay, uh, well, who is it? I, I went it, through the day. It's always somebody else. Look, the Majestic 12 group was a good start. Obviously, they're all dead. We didn't find out about them until after that. Assuming they were created, it was for something totally different. We now know what that was. I totally disagree with your... Of course, it had everything to do with UFOs. It had nothing to do with continuity. What was your phrase? Continuity of government? COG. And some of the people on there certainly wouldn't have been on any such thing. Oh, no. no, Uh, We have to disagree. That list was perfect for the precursor to the continuity. There were no politicians. There were no government people, people with government elected officials kind of thing. That was a technology group, an outstanding technology group. Right. Yeah, but it had nothing to do with continuity of government. Oh, it did. It had to do with what is it that we're worried about? How do we protect this? Four of them were DCIs, all people with experience with nuclear weapons. How do we stop The head of the National Academy of Sciences? You know, Berkner, you had a bunch of aerospace types, three different guys who've been head of uh, NACA, for example, before it became NASA. But I I don't see any connection there. And also, I find that... Nuclear weapons? These guys weren't nuclear weapons guys. Bush's outfit, you never in your in your book talk about the thing called Lusty, an organization whose major objective was looking at crashed aircraft, Luftwaffe, you understand, and gathering bits and pieces and trying to find out how they work. Perfect outfit to take on flying saucers. You never mention the Office of Scientific Research and Development. Bush was head of that during the war. They did 80 or 90 different technology development programs, the proximity fuse and radar, and there were a whole bunch of other things, all for use during the war to win the war. And so you have them, you say that the government, if Roswell had happened, they would have taken this stuff to Los Alamos and not to Wright Field. Wright Field was doing tons of work on trying to figure out from crashed vehicles. They brought back literally tons of paper from Germany. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this. More of the ins and outs will come in a moment. We need to ask a few questions. Chris, you're kind of champing at the bit there. I I am. A gentleman that I I don't want to name by name, but all of us know who he is, used to uh, be involved with the DSP spy satellite program. He made a very revealing comment to me at the last uh, MUFON symposium. And his assertion is that every satellite system, spy satellite system that we have deployed since 1999, one of their taskings is to find out where UFOs come from and where they go. That's he not says true. that these are well. Patently he's, not true. Okay, I will put I you in touch with you my right. source. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I'm talking to the people who designed the space architecture. So this not is not a case. Scope. This is not a case of my source is better than your source. Well, he's pretty insistent. Uh, he says that these satellites are tasked. That's one of their taskings is to look for fast walkers and, and other uh, objects that they don't have any sort yeah, of idea of where they're sure. coming from or going going to. Okay, well, yeah, I just wanted to throw that sources, in. high level, not true. In, in your book, John, uh, this was pointed out by one of the Paracast listeners, you never mentioned the uh, National Reconnaissance Office, the NRO. And uh, do you think that there's 
uh, an agency there that, uh, or, or an office there that uh, may be sitting on some uh, pretty explosive information. Uh, why was why was yeah. that? Why were they not mentioned? They got a big black budget for not, reconnaissance from space. Not on their scope. Again, the people that I'm talking to, and you know, they're reporting to are the ones who you know develop this architecture. Why would they tell you, John? You don't have a need to know for, you well, know, call it MP12, okay. so, call it what you like want. I say, I'm back to the heads of agencies don't have a need to know. Did I, did I get bamboozled? I'll put that down in the approaching zero, but a possibility. Well, I'm glad, because absence of evidence is not evidence for absence. Okay, yeah, Stan, let's, let's just let's look at that question. Stan, gentlemen, well, gentlemen, 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 Stan. Okay. Okay. So, what do you think about this assertion that Chris just relayed, that satellites deployed since 1999 are capable of detecting UFOs? I think it's certainly true, unquestionably true. I mean, if you can read the license plate in the uh, what do you call it, the the Russian parking lot at the uh, their big building there, uh, you can spot UFOs and. We, we've got to assume that these guys can't pick them up is ridiculous, or that they're not there is ridiculous. Sure, but the but. question would be, yes, we can see the license plates. And I always, people don't like when I mention movie references, but there was a Will Smith movie out, what, 10 years ago, Enemy of the State, where they followed him around Washington, D.C. He couldn't breathe before they found him. I want to sell you a bridge. Right. So we can't do that in reality, can we, John? With the things they were describing, and don't con- confuse Hollywood with reality. <laughs> we understand that. There's two key issues, uh, and one that I think is far more. I think you're totally missing the point. Uh, can satellites pick up UFOs? Yes. Do they? Yes. Do they care? No. But more importantly, and more interesting to me are the ones in which you you know they were there and they didn't get picked up. You, are you thinking of the Malmstrom kind of thing? No, I'm thinking more of, uh, well, th- that's one, but Phoenix is uh, you know kind of a classic example. I disagree. Uh, this particular source said that they tracked that object all the way from Henderson to, to Tucson. That was also news to me. I didn't know Your that. Your source is wrong. I'll tell you what, we'll uh, argue sources. Right or wrong, coming up. I, I mean, we John, please, John, you've got a break. We'll argue the sources <laughs> in our okay. next segment because it's going to get hot and heavy. With Gene and Chris, we're talking to Stanton Friedman and John Alexander. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Neighbors, do you need to bring the final touches to your latest podcasts? Clean up the soundtrack of that holiday video. Mix together a few takes from your last jamming session. Process the audio files of the video game you're creating to sound just right. But look no further. Whatever audio-related task you're looking to perform, Amadeus Pro is the tool for you. It's the Swiss Army knife of sound editing. Go to hairersoft.com. H-A-I-R-E-R soft.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. 
The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. OpticsPlanet.com is where discerning gun owners and outdoorsmen go to gear up. OpticsPlanet has the best selection of rifle scopes, red dots, night vision, holsters, bags, and tactical gear on the planet. With always low prices, free shipping on most orders, and expert customer service. Go to OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN to get a free gift with purchase. That's OpticsPlanet.com slash GCN. Or call 800-332-OPTICS. 800-332-6784. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold is outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The food storage industry leader has done it again. Introducing FDG Clubs and Survival Bucks from the Freeze-Dry Guy. For over 39 years, the Freeze-Dry Guy has served various government agencies and the private sector with the finest in storable foods and emergency rations. If you've wanted to build emergency food supplies but couldn't afford it, now you can. Go to freezedryguy.com, click on products, and look for the Freeze-Dry Guy Clubs to pay as you go. Now you can build food storage without going into debt. Choose from a payment range of $95 to $450 per month. Our clubs work with everyone's budget. Plus, when you join Freeze-Dry Guy clubs, you'll get additional rewards. For example, this month, get 10% back in survival bucks on all purchases in the Freeze-Dry Guy product line, plus free shipping within the lower 48 states on any order amount. Hurry, go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. That's freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663. The Freeze-Dry Guy, the best you can buy. Hi, this is Ted Phillips, listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. We have John Alexander, we have Stanton Friedman, the great debate about UFO secrecy. We're listening to the Paracast with Gene and Chris. So, John, before we broke, you were about to say some things about your viewpoints, and you were about to express a point of view about 
what we care about, what we see. Go on, please. Yeah, that, that there are so many of these sightings where you have like physical sighting and yet you do not have the physical sightings that you should have. Why are they not showing up on the systems? That we How do you know they're not? Parameters of them? Well, we do. How do you know they're not showing up, John? <laughs> because they don't tell no, you? No, because they don't tell anybody. Ask Spike Symington. You know, he tried to ask, and he was the governor and responsible. The other mythology about, and I think, misinterpretation of the Phoenix Lights is that it was a single sighting uh, or a single event that happened on one night. These things are happened multiple times, and you had big things hovering over major metropolitan areas that clearly weren't picked up. Why? Okay, so now I really wonder here, John. Okay, this is not being taken seriously by the government. It sounds to me like a tremendous amount of information is available here. It obviously portends something really unusual. Wouldn't they care? Wouldn't they care enough? No. Why? This is one of my key points, and this is one of the reasons they should read the book, and specifically the chapter on how the government works terrible misconception. There is no department of good ideas. There's a gazillion <laughs> things that ought to be Again. Uh, studied, and they aren't. They just don't make the cut. Well, John, you're reassuring us of that. I I'm not convinced at all, because, for example, in your discussion of uh, the MJ-12 documents and other things, uh, just as you said, the you can get any of these government documents. If they only got one line per page, that's not getting the information that's on the documents. There would be a separate body at the center of the, the big Western wheel, if you will, without a rim. And you'd have spokes going down to the center providing information. But it wouldn't be under the standard uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, etc. That's where you'd get a separate body coming in. So and and RO is just one. Who are they? Who do they come Accountable to? only to the president, okay? Who, who, uh, who was, well, which president? Well, as presidents change, then, it, you know, obviously the uh, boss changes. Yeah. I, I was very disappointed in that there are a number of claims in the book. When you, you looked at um, my 1997 Top Secret Magic, but you didn't look at the 2005 and three other sources of information, which have rebutted the arguments against the three MJ-12 documents. I agree. I agree with you wholeheartedly that there's over 100 phony MJ-12 documents. So okay. what? I, I agree. I, and I think they were put out by various government entities to muddy the waters. Would be a standard thing to do. Good stuff gets out, you put out junk. All right, let's go sick. back to MJ-12, guys, okay? Because okay. we're kind of going to Chapter 2 before we start at Chapter 1. And there's a core <laughs> argument here. And the core argument being that we have various and sundry supposed MJ-12 documents. You accept a small portion of them saying the rest... Three. 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 Okay, exactly three, but all the rest are fake. Maybe put up there, put up jobs by government disinformation agents. So at the very beginning, John Alexander... MJ-12, supposedly talking of this organization that was charged with checking out UFOs, probably Roswell, etc. What's your take on it? You don't believe it, do you? Any of it? No. 
So I, I, I think there's a, a strong possibility that MJ-12 existed, uh, but the mission was totally different, and I think time-wise and mission-wise, totally consistent with the makeup uh, of the people and exactly the way they would handle it as the uh, precursor to an organization that did evolve and was one of the most highly classified you know, projects uh, in America for a long period of time. What kind of project are we talking about? Continuity of government. How do you survive a surprise nuclear attack? That's real. You know, one of the things that uh, you hear all of these discussions about, well, the government did this and the bad government did that. And, you know, what's even at your age, I suspect you don't remember duck and cover. Stan and I are old enough to remember when we were talking about literally national survival. In the beginning of the Cold War, that's what they were worried about, national survival, a surprise nuclear attack that would take out the government or large sections of it. That drove everything, and it's just, just today not even in the consciousness of people, nor does it exp- to them explain why an awful lot of things were done, the radiation tests and things of that nature. I think that's beside the point, John. I think if you look at the three three MJ-12 documents that I talk about, I have discussed uh, in the book I gave you, the later edition, and a couple of other things, I have discussed all the objections. You don't mention those, not surprisingly, because you were working from early stuff. But uh, I've looked at those objections to those three documents and find that that none of them stand up, whether it's Phil Class challenging me on uh, the typeface on the Cutler Twining memo and then paying me $1,000 for proving him wrong. You know, I, I keep hearing the same objection. Let, let me give another one. In the document, uh, it says, top secret restricted. And a U and cry went up. That was never in use at that time and so forth. And yet, when the general, the GAO, went out looking for Roswell stuff, they noted in their big fat report that they had found several examples of top secret restricted in the right time frame and all the rest of that. That's good enough for me. I tried to get them, and they were still classified, so I couldn't get them. But if they said so in their government report, how can I argue with that? Uh, there were a whole bunch of others of these particular objections uh, one was that uh, it says Admiral Hillencoder. My goodness, he was only a rear admiral. Obviously, the documents are fraud. Well, when you go to the Eisenhower Library, you find many examples of yeah. generic ranks. I don't need to tell you, John. You know about generic yeah. ranks. But, uh, and when you were a lieutenant colonel, you could still answer the phone, Colonel Alexander. <laughs> yeah, this we used to ask. Are you a telephone colonel or a real one? well put so that was one objection that was raised loudly there is no top secret uh, number on these things and I got two different archives to say we have plenty of top secret documents without top secret control numbers on them but there are a whole bunch of these objections which when carefully examined do not stand up no matter how loud the objector uh, complained So it's one of the reasons I started off, uh, one of the things that bugged me the most was seeing Donald Menzel's name on that. 
holy cow, that's the last thing we need. Here we have Mr. Debunker, and he's part of, you know, it made no sense. After all, everybody else had a high-level security clearance. That was easy to find out, as I'm sure you're aware. But you don't need a top-level security clearance to teach astronomy at Harvard. So I had to get permission from three different people. I went to Harvard, uh, looked at his papers, and was totally shocked because I didn't like the man when I started. Uh, I'd had one run in with him, which was not a pleasant experience. Uh, And here he is writing Jack Kennedy that he had a longer continuous association with the National Security Agency, 30 years as of 1960, of anybody in the country. When we are properly cleared to each other, I can tell you more. This is Menzel to Kennedy. That came as a shock. When I found out he had a clearance uh, with uh, the CIA when he was a cryptographer, taught cryptography, a whole slew of stuff that nobody knew, certainly not me. I'll tell you what, we'll get into Donald Menzel and maybe even those Martian paintings he sold to Jim Mosley. (laughs) (laughs) On our other side. Okay, but we've got to tell you, we have John Alexander, Stanton Friedman joining us. A great debate with Gene and Chris on The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then... A coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S. Dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Why is it so many people suffer from so many illnesses today? Why don't doctors know how to help you? Could it be that our doctors don't know how because there's a nutrition solution and they only know about drugs? Over 68 diseases are connected to a deficiency of glutathione. The missing ingredient to increasing your body's production of glutathione is cysteine. Raising your glutathione production protects you from cancer, heart disease, Parkinson's, macular degeneration, lung disease, digestive diseases, diabetes, Alzheimer's, ALS, rheumatoid arthritis, and lupus. Nature's richest source of cysteine is unheated whey. Heating can damage much of the cysteine. One World Whey is the first undamaged whey protein on the market. Using One World Whey may support optimal glutathione production unlike any other food or supplement you've ever taken. Call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld. W-H-E-Y dot com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget... 
crossbreedholsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today, complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231, and the Berkey Guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey Light, the Berkey Guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey Guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at Go GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Stan Friedman, John Alexander, great debate about UFO secrecy with Gene and Chris on the Paracast when we broke. Stan was talking about the military intelligence background of Dr. Donald Menzel, the arch-UFO skeptic, no longer with us. And I was mentioning before we broke that he actually was also kind of a painter. He drew Martians and other space people. Yes. And that was one of his hobbies, of course. Fascinating hobby. But the mere point is... A lot of people during World War II were recruited for intelligence activities. Actors, actresses, chefs. Oh, sure. A lot of people. It doesn't mean because Donald Menza was just another patriotic American helping his country that he had anything to do with UFO secrecy. Remember, he was a commander in the Navy, and he headed Naval Reserve Unit Number 1 in Cambridge uh, long after the war. So he's talking to Jack Kennedy in 1960 about all his activities post-war. It's interesting. There are two issues of Sky and Telescope that were devoted to men, the one when he died and the 100th anniversary of his birth. Neither of them mentions all this very important, highly classified work that he did in the government long after the war was over. Not a mention. Well, they mentioned he was a commander in the Navy during the war. That's it. But, you know, he did work for the CIA. He did work for the FBI. He, he was, and I, I asked somebody who knew him quite well, another astronomer, I said, how does it strike you? You knew the man very well. Could he have known all about Roswell and crash saucers and everything else and still write these negative books, these debunking books? His answer surprised me. He would have loved it. Oh, yeah, he knew he was smarter than everybody else, and so he would get a great kick out of that, which was a surprising answer to me. Uh, I had one run-in with him. I can't say I knew Menzel at all, but I certainly found out much about him to my surprise. 
there was a loyalty hearing, as a matter of fact, that didn't make it into the New York Times and the Washington Post. He was accused of being disloyal. This is 1950 McCarthy era stuff, you know, because he brought in a pair of stockings to give to a Russian astronomer to take to his wife. He said good things at a Russian-American friendship dinner in 1942 when everybody was saying good things about the Russian. Harlow Shapley, his boss at Harvard, was thought of as a pinko, so obviously Menzel might be. Now, the funny thing is the strongest defender was Vannevar Bush, who was a member of MJ-12 and head of the Office of Scientific Research and Development. And Roosevelt's, I'll call him science advisor, that technically he didn't have a title like that, but he was the guy, the go-to guy for Roosevelt. And he did a number of things for Truman as well. Uh, and incidentally, John, in the book, you say Bush was uh, director of central intelligence. He wasn't. Also, you say that people were given permission to re reveal their Roswell data if they thought it was classified by Air Force mm -hmm. Secretary Sheila Widnall. Right. That's not true. If you look at her well, letter, if okay. you look at her uh, letter. Okay, excuse me, Stan. John deserves a chance to respond okay. whether you agree with yeah. him or not. John archives.gov slash FOIA slash UFOs this morning, and I quote, Prior to the interviews, Secretary Widnall released those persons from any previous obligations that may have restricted their statements. That's today. Now, I've seen the letter, and the one that I've seen, I'll hope, is not the real letter, misspellings and whatnot. I don't see any inconsistency between you can talk to my guys if you, you know, who have security clearances and you're released. No, that's not what she said. Her direct instruction was you can talk to Colonel Weaver, period, right. end of report, because he has access to everything, right. and, yeah, you know, that, that's which true. would make sense. But that doesn't mean you can Except talk to anybody else. Except that he didn't else. do the interviews. He did yeah. do the interview. You know, the, the interviews were done by captains and, and other folks. The point in what she's saying, and this is our, probably our difference in interpretation, is she's saying, you know, here's a guy with the tickets, don't worry about it. He's cleared to do it. Now, actually, if you had that level of stuff, you could not discuss it anywhere because you did not have access to the right facilities uh, in which classification, you know, discussions at that level could occur. But, you know, this was just, frankly, covering their ass. It's, um, it's out there. It makes perfect sense. And, um, like I said, the, the statement on the National Archives, and maybe you ought to call Sheila. She's at uh, MIT. And, uh, are are you saying meant. the letter is a fake, John? No. I'm saying it, it's, it's a, if you understand the protocols, that's exactly the way you would say it. And there's no evidence that anybody said, oops, I've got a secret, and then revealed it. You're saying she told them via a letter, not personally, these yeah. Roswell witnesses, that they could talk about anything right. because they were released from their security oath with regard to Roswell's related stuff. And I'm and, saying that was only that they could talk to Colonel Weaver. Yeah. It's a big difference. No, I do not see it as a big difference. You're making it a big difference. I see it in the noise because this is exactly how a bureaucrat would handle it. You've got to have somebody, and you're saying, here is a guy who has the appropriate clearances, so don't worry about whatever it is that you might want to say because you were secured at some level. Now, let me be clear on one thing, though. I do think 
that the government was very heavy-handed in the way that they uh, handled this to begin with. I strongly suspect that a lot of folks were, in fact, threatened in ways that you would probably never do today. But again, all of those interviews, <laughs> all of those interviews, you know, when you hear the reports, start was it was a different time. Yes, but John, wouldn't you, if you're being threatened, wouldn't you assume somebody wants to keep this information from getting into the public arena? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so doesn't that imply a level of UFO secrecy? No, no, it, it doesn't. It says, I don't want this information uh, discussed. Okay, so therefore, it follows that, that was, if you don't want it discussed, you want to keep it a secret. You don't want it to be revealed. Is that, that correct, That doesn't sir? make it UFO data. It can make it any data, okay? Right. You know, the point is here, it doesn't matter if it's about UFOs, about Swiss cheese, or buying toilet <laughs> bowls for $12,000 each. If you decide right. to keep it a secret, it's a secret. If there's no secrecy about UFOs, why classify anything top secret? Because it wasn't. At, well, wait a minute. Why class? You got to go back. It was a different time. The time frame that we're talking about is the beginning of the Cold War, a notion that's inconceivable to modern Americans. We were talking about national survival. You saw things flying around that we couldn't explain scared the crap out of everybody. Now, the basic assumption was not, oh, my God, they're aliens from, you know, someplace else. Well, they did eventually get to that. It was, my God, the Soviets, you know, our arch enemies who are out here to destroy us have a technological leap. We will do anything, you know, to prevent that from happening. Therefore, you keep it a secret while you investigate to find out what's going on. That says there was a secret. Okay, so it follows then that if you're saying now there is no more secret, that they either decided that there was no mystery to it or that it didn't represent a threat. But if you've got something there that does what UFOs do, that flies at incredible speeds, you track them on radar, you can't figure out what they are, how could the government say they don't represent a threat? Not a threat. Condon was right. No, the Condon, Condon was, was, is it a threat? He was right and wrong. But is it a threat? The answer is no. Haven't been invaded. I'd say, you know, 50 years, he's right. Now, you're not telling me that you don't think we wanted to know the technology. Nowhere in the book do you go into the fact that my primary reason for government secret, as I see it, not being a member of the government, it is the first reason is we want to figure out how the damn things work. We've got wreckage. We okay. don't want anybody well, else to no, know what no, we've no, learned. No, no that's, your, that, that's where we just have to agree to disagree. I don't think we have wreckage. There are a large number of people who do. Yeah, I and mean, I'd like most, to add here too uh, also, John, that uh, if we did have access to this type of crash debris and exalted, you know, exotic technology – you would think that some of this would have leaked out by now, and that gets into the whole Corso question and other things that, that we're going to talk about a little later. But, but Stan, here's a question for you. If we have had all this time to back engineer this technology, we have, we have a lot of bright people, uh, a lot of bright scientists that have been working at this, going on this assumption. They've been working on this for a long time. What 
evidence do we have that they have been able to ascertain any sort of information? And if they haven't, wouldn't that suggest that maybe John's right, that there is no crash debris? No. I'll tell you, no, and I'll let you answer the rest of that. Stan, we can answer it in a moment. We have Stan Friedman, John Alexander. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, and Investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs. They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're talking with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman, both accomplished authors writing about UFOs with different viewpoints about whether there is or isn't UFO secrecy. You're with Gene and Chris on the Paracast. Chris asked you a question, Stan, before we did the break. Yeah. About have we learned anything from alleged recovery of those crashed spaceships? So what do you think? Well, we've learned several things, uh, clearly, that the aliens aren't perfect as well, <laughs> obviously. Uh Let's face it, if you gave Christopher Columbus a nuclear submarine and said, Chris, you've got an unlimited budget, I need three more of these, could he have built one? Of course not. He gave the smartest people in the country, my little cheap wristwatch, a digital wristwatch, say 80 years ago, and asked them you know, to give you a bunch more, they couldn't have done it. Oh, they'd have known it was a watch, you know, and there's a battery inside, stuff like that. But they couldn't have analyzed the uh, chip, and even if they could, they couldn't have built another one. But let me give you an example of the kind of thing that we may have learned. Uh, I used to do a weekly science commentary for CBC Radio up here in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Covered all kinds of subjects, occasionally including UFOs. And I had just read an article about a new and better permanent magnet material, neodymium boron iron. And the car companies were working on it and stuff. And I used to use this as an example until I saw something that changed my mind about it. You find pieces of wreckage. You send them. Van Bush would know where all the good labs in the country were because he knew that from all the war stuff for the OSRD. The smart guys at classified labs, that is, people with clearances at classified labs, he'd have sent pieces out and said, what is this? It didn't have to tell them where it came from. Uh, it was none of their business. It could be from a spy. It could be from Russia. It could be old German, whatever. 
And the guy comes back and says, you know, I don't know where you got this, but it's a combination of samarium and cobalt. Why would anybody put those together? Not your problem. You send it out to other people. What are the characteristics, electrical, magnetic, mechanical, nuclear, thermal, whatever? And the guy comes back and says, you know, I don't know what this stuff is or where you got it, but it's got the highest magnetic moment of any material I've ever measured. Make a great permanent magnet. And pretty soon, people are making samarium cobalt magnets. Uh, that's what they use in the big speakers, you know, the ghetto blasters kind of thing. That was the breakthrough. I was reading an article about the new developments, neodymium iron boron. And at the end of the article, the original work on samarium and cobalt was done at Wright Air Development Center. And I just broke into laughter. That was at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Right, but one thing, Stan, why do we assume that because something is advanced, an advanced development, why assume that maybe we got that information from taking apart a flying saucer? Why can't we do it ourselves? I'm not, because I think we're so so young, technologically speaking. We didn't discover the neutron until 1932, for goodness sakes. That isn't very long ago when you got four and a half billion years to play with. You know, we're naive, we're young, we're just beginning to you know, feel our oats a little bit, and there's going to be new technology all over the place. And I mean, in all different areas. But there are other things. Wright-Patterson ran wind tunnel tests on round craft in late 1947. There's a picture in my book, of Flying Saucers and Science, of me standing next to an Apollo 12 command module. It's a round, blunt body. Yeah, but, but we're still getting back to the same up, thing we here. You know, that high, you high stand, aircraft stand. had to have pointy nose and sharp stand, wings. Stan, please. I think maybe you're belittling our capability of inventing these things. I mean, we have to look, for example, at the technology that we got from the Nazis, about the fact that we hired a lot of those Nazi scientists to help start our space program. John Alexander, having listened to this, we give John a fair chance here. John, having listened to this, what do you think about alien technology? Do we have it? Are we reverse engineering it? If we do, that would indicate the presence of some kind of secrecy program. Well, as I've pointed out in the book, that uh, if we believe all these crashes that have happened, then what ET has is a quality control problem. And it's more, it would have to be more than, you know, just Roswell. It depends on how many you list. Um, the new Aztec book will be out very shortly. I'm sorry, the witch? Right on Aztec. They're, they're, Scott oh, Ramsey okay. and his wife Suzanne have prepared an outstanding book. I've read it, but it's not out yet, damn it. <laughs> it's a, it, well, be... like I said, uh, E.T. is just not very smart. They can go a gazillion miles and then they fall down. Or bump into it's each not other. like that at all. We got aircraft carriers and we got small airplanes. The big vehicles don't crash. The little ones do. Occasionally, maybe with a little help from us, we have plenty of airplane crashes. Actually, B twos. You know, we've had B twos and B ones go down. Once in a while, C four uh, seventeen. So yeah, big things do crash on occasion. Uh, Rarely, by comparison to the smaller ones. Yeah, but that's probably a flighted hour issue. And again, an awful lot of that goes back to pilot error, etc. You know, Roswell's always, of course, been a problem because of location. If you look at where it is and what's going on and what you'd be doing at that time, yeah, you'd be involved in high-tech kinds of uh, uh, development. You're 
a decade from going into the space, so you're doing enabling technologies, and basic science in there and there, that area. It's Not at Roswell. Hmm? Roswell was a strategic air command base. It's right down the road in White Sands. Excuse me, it's right across the field from Wismer. I mean, they're the same general area. White Sands Missile Range is there, and I point out to anybody who'll listen that in 1947 there were three signs that soon Earthlings would be moving out, soon meaning 100 years, which is nothing on a cosmic time scale. <laughs> one, one was the B-2 rockets, one was nuclear weapons, and one was high-quality radar, which just started just before the war. The only place in the world in July 1947 where you could study all three of those was southeastern New Mexico. Trinity site, White Sands Missile Range, they had the radar because we hate to admit it, the rocket sometimes went south instead of north. Very embarrassing. (laughs) If you remember, for a long time, we couldn't get them to go up. (laughs) What, you mean that little uh, Vanguard-like thing? Yeah. (laughs) This is long before Vanguard, you understand, years before 10 what, 10 years before uh, Vanguard? Yeah, that was, uh, we, we didn't, our Germans were better than the Russian Germans, except that's what we said after we finally caught up a little bit. <laughs> we hope we got a good selection of scientists. But then that comes to this, too. How come those scientists in Germany could figure all this out and we had problems? Why were they better than us? Because... They had a crazed dictator running the country. Did they have alien technology? What's your take, No. They had lots of people who were very smart working on rockets before the war. They paid more attention to Goddard. The Russians paid more attention to Goddard, who incidentally wound up doing his last tests in Roswell, of all places. There's a Goddard High School and a Goddard Museum and so forth. They paid more attention to Goddard than the American government did. Yep. Uh, it's it's a very sad part of our history that we ignored what he did, and uh, we paid a price for it with the V2s and so forth. Well, uh, I'll take another step on that, too, and, and that has to do, and this is one of my pet peeves at the moment, and that is the American educational system. And if you look at how we went about education versus what, what germ- was happening in Germany in science. We We're in agreement, John. Yeah, we're in agreement. Uh, right. I think it's a crying shame, our American educational system, and uh, especially when it comes to technology. And uh, right. uh, you know, there's, there's no question. That's why we needed the Germans and the Russians needed the Germans. <laughs> it, uh, you know, one of the classic examples of media coverage of uh, unconventional subjects is Goddard wrote a paper in 1919 in which he mentioned barely the possibility of rockets going in space as opposed to in the atmosphere. The New York Times wrote a scathing review that the good doctor doesn't know what any high school student knows, that a rocket won't work in a vacuum because there's nothing to push against. And before we figure that one out, we have Stanton Friedman, we have John Alexander... With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Fake Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fake Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fakemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years in serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at GoBerkey.com. That's GoBerkey.com today. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Gun sales are on a staggering pace. Gun prices are going through the roof, and that means desperate, vicious criminals now want your guns and will do anything to get them. Now, a new book reveals powerful secrets for hiding your guns from thieves and looters. You'll learn step-by-step battle-hardened techniques, where to hide your guns so criminals will never find them, how to create the perfect hiding place, as well as the places you should never hide your guns under any circumstance. These and other closely guarded gun caching secrets are guaranteed to keep your weapons safe and out of sight when the going gets tough. But listen up. For security reasons, the Hide Your Guns book and even the website may disappear without warning at any time. Go to HideYourGuns.com. That's HideYourGuns.com. Or call 877-327-0365. Before they come for your guns. HideYourGuns.com right now. Right now. Right now. We'd like to hear from you. 
If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. This is one of those shows, once again, where Chris and I can be the flies on the wall, except we have to snap the whip and crack it a few times with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman talking about scientific discoveries, the ability to get into space, all these advanced technologies. Did we get them from alien visitors going over the craft that may have crashed in Roswell? Gene, we, we have a question from one of our, our Paracast uh, forum members that dovetails nicely with the subject. Uh, Blowfish asks, is it plausible that the Nazi scientists may have developed some aspect of anti-gravity technology as suggested by researcher uh, Nick Cook, who was a aerospace invest, uh, investigator for Jane's Defense Weekly for years. He's saying, uh, could, could that have been brought over in, in, in Paperclip? We'll give it to Stan and ask John. Well, I, I don't think so. I think that uh, Nick didn't know the difference between pretty drawings made by people trying to sell ideas and pictures of real items. Uh, I worked on projects where... He, You'd think we had developed all kinds of stuff, so it said in our proposal, of course. But these were artist concepts. They were not the real world. And let me finish that one comment about Goddard. In 1919, he writes a paper. The New York Times gives him a very hard time for it. In 1969, as we were on the way to the moon in July of 1969, the New York Times published a correction. Goddard was right. Uh, rockets will work in a vacuum. Better from late than never. To 1969. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> no, I, I don't think the the Germans developed, you know, anti gravity and time travel. What, what's another good one? There, there are a couple of other of these far out notions. And I'm certainly not saying that we have developed all new kinds of new technology because we've recovered crash saucers. You know, just as Columbus couldn't have built the nuclear submarine. I think we may have learned a lot of ideas. Round, blunt bodies will work at high speed, a number of other thoughts like that. But I think it takes an awful lot of subtlety to figure out technology that's way advanced over where you are. And I don't think we've done that yet. I'm hoping we're trying. The the question that was asked is, I, I think there's an easy way to determine that that's not true. And that is, we won. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, if they were that far ahead, we'd probably be speaking German. So I wouldn't be speaking John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that that's another option, <laughs> a problem associated with it. But, yeah, um, uh, no, I yeah, I agree with you though. If the Germans did this, like this explanation, uh, what's her name, Jacobson, Annie Jacobson? Oh Jesus! Uh, you know, there's several yeah. like that, but. If they had worked this all out, why didn't they use it during the war? Right. I mean, you develop weapon systems to use them. <laughs> and you and I are probably fully in agreement about Jacobson. Oh, absolutely. That's unbelievable. It got a favorable review in the New York Times. <laughs> My book didn't get any review in the New York Times. 
I was just going to say that tells you more about the publishing business, and you know they had a uh, publicity juggernaut that was going. You'll also know that it fell off the cliff very quickly, as uh, you know the ridiculousness. Yeah. Of the show. And and the bad news is that there's really some very interesting part. I know the uh, Roadrunners, and they thought their book was going to finally come out and tell their story, which deserved to be told. And unfortunately, yeah. all the oxygen got sucked up around ridiculousness. Yeah, that, that, that'll that be an interesting story in somebody's thesis a few years from now, <laughs> on the, the PhD thesis about press coverage and had, of UFOs and had some very yeah. strong things to say about how inadequate it was. <laughs> This is one where George Knapp is uh, kicking his butt uh, because he knew all of these people from the Roadrunners had been interviewing them for a long time, and oh. you know that it should have been his book. Yeah. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Better him than Annie, that's for sure. Oh God. <laughs> well, well, since we're on the subject of uh, back engineering, uh, so-called alien technology, Sentry, one of our po- uh, forum posters, has a question here for John. I understand that Dr. Alexander met Colonel Corso before his Roswell book was published, but apparently only voiced your concerns over its details after it saw print. Also, considering the book's problems, I'd like to hear why Dr. Alexander helped Colonel Corso in the promotion of the book. Well, Phil was a friend. We had great concern and helped in promotion. I did, I guess, get on coast to coast. If you listen carefully to my statements, it's not one that's endorsing uh, the content. We did know him before. Again, see, George Knapp was supposed to have been the co-author uh, on the book, and that's how we met him originally. We had gone through various things in detail. I had seen the manuscript again before it was printed, and as most people now know, there were really the manuscript that was submitted was quite different from what was printed. Uh, up front, the whole nonsense about uh, Roswell is not in his uh, original uh, script. Now, it, it just uh, as we looked at it in detail, it, the you know the, the technologies have long, well-established track records. You don't see any big leaps uh, any place along the line. Well, let, let me give you an guy, example. Way, let, let me give you an example. He took credit for micro-integrated circuits when, in fact, the guy got a Nobel Prize for work that was done two years earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there are no references in the book that tell you any of the linkages. Where did that come from? You know, uh, it, it just isn't there. I met Corso, but afterward, not not like you beforehand. And uh, every time I checked, uh, you know, there, there was nothing to back up what he was saying. Do you think Corso made it all up, Stan, or is this something that was he, so he manipulated was a, in the editing process that the final book became something I far think different? He was he was a wannabe who won the Libra legacy. Uh, let me give you an example. He claimed in a sworn statement to attorney Peter Gersten that he, Corso, had been a member of the National Security Council. That would have been Ike's National Security Council. Well, I checked with the Eisenhower Library. That, that's the highest level of advice to the president, you understand. And he was not only never a member, but he never attended a meeting. They keep close track on this kind of stuff at the Eisenhower Library. And they sent me a letter to that effect. So I sent a copy of that to Peter Gersten, and he showed it to Corso. Don't you think we ought to take that out? No, 
that's a strange answer. You're going after the government supposedly to get the full story on your background, and you're going to leave in something that they can anybody can show is false. So well, there was other. There were some other things. When we first learned of him, I spent a week in Washington checking out his history. And a lot of it was he was where he said he was, but, you know, it was, it's a big but. For instance, the creation of the uh, Foreign Technology Division did happen. There is an organizational chart, there is a phone book, and the name is not Corso. Okay, um, let's get into that and maybe how he embellished his background in our next segment with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. You know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. 
If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? John Alexander and Stanton Friedman, the great debate over whether there is real UFO secrecy with Gene and Chris in the Paracast. Now, you were telling us here, John, that the implication I'm receiving from what you're telling me is that Corso deliberately embellished his credentials. It's not an accident. It's not a misprint. Deliberately, you know, implies motive and whatnot. Uh, people fluff, okay? I mean, uh, people's bios. Uh, for instance, one of the books was going to be The Day After Rome. And if you listened to <laughs> Phil, you would have thought he was the mayor of Rome. When you go in and read those reports, uh, he did some excellent work, but it was excellent work that a captain would do, not the stuff of a major or lieutenant general. Now, that's a big um, question here. Okay, at the end of his life, we see Corso making up tall tales, and maybe some were embellished in the editing of his book, The Day After Roswell. Whatever. Does he have a history of being that kind of guy? Is this the way his history was in the military? Or is it something that he did towards the end of his life to leave, as they say, the legacy? John? don't know. Um, I did talk to people who did know him. One of the things that emerges is his relationship with the General Trudeau. And yeah. Trudeau was absolutely legendary in the military, so much so that in the 80s they decided to do a uh, an oral history of selected generals, and Trudeau was one of them. And they did do things like Project Horizon, um, yeah. which was really preparing to fight from the moon. I mean, they were thinking that far ahead. And there's no doubt that Trudeau and Corso had a very special relationship that continued for a long period of time. But the, the problem is when you put the facts together, it, you know, they just uh, stand up. Uh, there were some questions certainly raised. I've talked to people who, if you remember in the early 90s, he also appeared uh, before congressional committees. This was on yeah. the POW issue. POW, right. And there's there's no doubt, again, this is one where there, there's certainly some truth that POWs got left behind in a number of areas, and, you know, that's kind of a black mark on our history. But I've talked to some of the ones who worked the Soviet issue, and some of the things he said, you know, they've got severe problems with 
parts of the testimony. Well, he called J. Edgar Hoover his good buddy, and uh, Larry Bryant got a copy of uh, Corso's FBI file, and uh, Hoover called him a rat. I mean, that's a bit of a difference of opinion there. <laughs> you know, uh, I tried yeah. to pin him down. He tells this great story about being at Fort Riley, Kansas, and on July 6th, his bowling buddy somehow led him in one of the clearest violations of security you're ever going to see, gave him access to a crate in which there was some blue fluid and an alien body. And when I asked him, uh, Corso, how do you know it was July 6th? That doesn't fit the chronology. And, well, I said, did you have a diary? I was hoping, you know, or notes. No, I know when I was transferred there. That was March or April. That, that's no answer to the question. And, John, would you agree that if you had an alien body, it would not be left unguarded, and certainly no guy would let somebody look at it? I have a fast question when you talk about this before John answers. So how much of this book was embellished in the edited version and added as opposed to what was there before? John? Well, uh, the whole Roswell thing just doesn't exist in the original manuscript. And yet if you read in the book, it's written first person. You know, people said this, this happened, and and that happened. Yeah, like it was there. (laughs) Yeah. There were some things that were omitted uh, because they thought it was too far out uh, to uh, to be included. Oh. There's a huge debate over the editing process as to how that actually occurred and um, how much time was involved and, and that sort of thing. Now, now, John, are you talking about the editing process or the co-writing process? Well, it, Oh, I'm not sure how to put this politely, but Phil was not computer literate, and things like grammar and whatnot are sometimes a little different than what we might anticipate. Uh, So the point was he needed a co-author. There's no doubt about that. So the co-author, of course, had to do quite a bit of of the writing. And editing on top of it, yes. Yeah, well, creating the, a the whole scenario out of thin air that just doesn't it that that doesn't sound like a co-author to me. It sounds like somebody uh, you're taking uh, liberties uh, to be polite as well. You have to ask Bill about that, but uh, like he's I said, he's referring to Bill Burns, he, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the the he was the co-author on it, but if you look at the manuscript and it is available on the internet now, uh, you won't find any of those references. How it got in, don't know. The debate over editing is that uh, Phil had said they had 24 hours to go through the entire book. Um, Other people who've worked with Burns have said, no, he's totally meticulous, that if there are controversies, it doesn't go in. Uh, So it's just another of the conundrums that uh, abound any time you get around uh, Corso. It's interesting, incidentally, that John and I both, uh, I, I mentioned, he mentions the man who was actually head of the foreign technology division under Trudeau. It was a two-man unit. I got a copy of the roster of that group. Right. And you mentioned the guy's name, Stegler, was it? Something like Spengler. that. Uh, yeah, Spengler. Yeah, Colonel Spengler. Yeah, I found his wife, and he was in the hospital at the time, and he never came out. 
I wanted to talk to him, but uh, impossible, yeah. uh, unfortunately. So John and I both uh, looked at some of the same uh, problems. And, uh, uh, and incidentally, one of the difficulties there is many, many people that I've talked to thought really that Phil was talking about the Air Force Foreign Technology Division at Wright-Patterson. Yeah. And I had a lot of dealings with them, and there were a bunch of engineers and scientists there. I had a contract, and I went back there every month or so for over a year. And that was an outstanding group of people. But yeah, Corso that, was that, not that a was scientist. Not it at all. No, it isn't. But many people thought that that's what they were talking about. Uh, you know, it was a, a, a small outfit. And there's another question, too. Let, let's suppose for a minute, John, that Roswell had happened in July 1947. You're going to tell me that the Air Force would have dug a hole in the ground, put it all in, and nothing was done to industry until Phil comes along after 1960? Right. Does that make any sense? It makes no. no sense at all. Well, the book implies here that he was Trudeau's right-hand man, his bag man. He finds this junk in a file cabinet. And then he takes it out to private industry. Here it is. Here's night goggles and all that stuff. And I say that makes no sense at all, having worked well, in industry. Yeah, that's true. Now, actually, when you get into night vision, that's a topic that I know quite a bit about. And I knew the guy who literally built night vision lab. And I talked to him. And he's, he knows that I do weird stuff. And uh, he, um, we talked to him specifically about it. And just none of that makes any sense whatsoever. We know the history of what happened. One of the things, for instance, is there's a story in there about him going down with a five, the quote, a five million dollar check in his pocket. And here's a non-scientist, and and if you agree with these that these guys, you know, give them the check. Anybody knows that how the system works. And interestingly, right. there there is a five million dollar bump that comes in. And there's a name of the person who provided that, and it is not Corso. So are we seeing here that things happen or may have happened? Corso decided that he would just change the name. So if John, whoever, does something, it became Philip, and Philip did it instead. He put himself in the place of the people who may have done some things and maybe made up the rest what an interesting story. John Alexander and Stanton Friedman were talking about UFO secrecy. Does it exist or not? And all the ramifications, there's so many. With Gene and Chris, you're in The Paracast. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to 
see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Positive results from satisfied customers of Heart and Body Extract continue to pour into our website, hbextract.com. This is Al from New Jersey. One day I saw your ad for Heart and Body Extract, and it mentioned that it would help me with angina, so I decided to order. I figure I had nothing to lose. Heart and Body Extract supplies your body with everything it needs to balance itself and maintain optimal heart and circulatory health with no negative side effects. I took the formula three times a day as directed, and I kid you not, within four days, my angina pain was completely gone. Order HB Extract by calling 866-295-5305 or online at hbextract.com. That's 866-295-5305 or hbextract.com. I could not believe it actually stopped the pain. Heart and Body Extract actually works. This is just an amazing product. Even the numbness in my hands is completely gone. Heart and Body Extract for a long and healthy life. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Hello, friends. Alex Jones here. You all know I've worked for years with Steve Shank and eFoods Direct. I have eFoods for my own emergency food supply. You know, Steve, life is different now for all of us, isn't it? Very different. People are using this great food to survive the present hurricane season, and we've already had $40 billion worth of damage from floods, storms, quakes, and droughts. And that's just the first eight months of this year. Natural disasters are newsworthy, but only touch a few of us Americans. The huge issue of the Greatest Depression is on everyone's mind. The unemployment, the loss of homes, lost businesses, and skyrocketing food costs are hitting every American. So everyone needs food security. Folks, this month you will get free shipping on every food order from eFoods Direct. That's right. Every order gets free shipping starting September 6th. Get stocked up with the best storable foods out there with eFoods Direct and be prepared for any emergency before it happens. To take advantage of this special, call 800 409 or go to efoodsdirect.com forward slash Alex. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. We're back, and it won't stop with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman. So in the end, as we speak on the Paracast with Gene and Chris, before we get on to other subjects, we'll just take the day after Roswell, and stick it not in the great basket, but in the science fiction basket? What? Oh, 
Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that. Not in the gray basket. We concur. That's refreshing. Chris? Well, here's one. It must be true. John and I agree it must be true. It makes sense to me. Here's another uh, question uh, by Sentry who asked the Corso question, and he says that, and I'm going to help him here. His question isn't worded well, but let's assume that the U.S. government has passively allowed some of their secret aerial projects and operations to be, to be mistaken for UFOs. Do we have any documented examples, John, of UFOs being used as some sort of disinformation cover? Now, I remember a year, year and a half ago, there was an article about the, um, the SR-71 Blackbird some of those sightings were used to blankly dismiss uh, no, most it, UFO it, sightings. Yeah. Do we have and do, are you aware of any examples of, let's say, stealth when it was uh, operational but uh, undisclosed, for instance, uh, the F-117 or the B-2? Uh, do we have any examples of this being uh, policy? Oh, absolutely. And that was released in the 1990s. It had more to do with the U-2s, where you had pilots yeah. who were reporting they're seeing things flying above them, and they knew nobody could fly that high. Well, yes, they could. And that, uh, that it was a UFO was part of the uh, overt cover story. Well, there's another side to that. Uh, and John is correct in what he just said. Uh, a guy named Haynes wrote, uh, a CIA historian wrote, uh, saying that uh, the military was delighted that people were reporting UFOs, and that was accountable for most of the sightings once the U-2 was flying and so forth. People, Dr. Bruce McAbee, among others, have looked at the number of sightings. They did not increase when these were flying. I'm in total agreement that any pilot seeing a plane going at 70,000 feet uh, back in time of it would have said, hey, we don't have anything that flies like that. However... None of those U-2s could make right-angle turns. Uh, none of them could land out in the middle of nowhere and take off from out in the middle of nowhere. None of them were flying around our military airplanes. Think of the RB-47 case. So it, it was a made-up story by Haynes in, in terms of proportion. Were there a lot of such cases? No. no. We agree that UFOs are real and do things that, you know, defy explanation. Uh, the question, though, was, is, was there an example of the government using UFOs for, you know, covering, you know, any operation? And the answer there was yes. And, you know, a piece of it had to do with, like I said, U-2s and some other unusual aircraft. I always tell people, don't be surprised if strange things fly in the desert. Always have that doesn't make them ET, uh, but right. that also does not explain the kinds of things that you were just describing because those events happen as well. Yeah, and look at the physical trace cases out in the middle of nowhere, all over the place. Eighty countries, Ted Phillips data covers, or maybe it's eighty-five now. I don't know. It keeps changing. Where people see these things come down out in the middle of nowhere and take off from there, physical changes left behind, but. We sure as we have helicopters that can do that, but not can go silently and make abrupt turns and very high speeds. So the combination of behavior, in other words, behaviors, uh, rules out our sort. Because again, if we had this 17 years ago, 
where is it on the battlefield? We could use all the help we can get. Well, that's been one of my key arguments, and particularly about you know, do we have the you know the huge triangles that are moving things? Uh, reality is that logistics is a long pole in the tent. Anything that could fly, that's big, that can move stuff, um, that would have been made known, and, and we need it sorely uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Logistics, logistics. <laughs> well, here's a related question uh, for Stan. Um, it has to do with the, the Cash Lundrum case, uh, and this comes from our yeah. uh, our poster from Calgary uh, Ufology, who's a, uh, a a fairly longtime poster at the uh, forum. Um, do you think the Cash Lundrum incident stand may have been involved, uh, may have involved the testing of a secret craft that could have possibly used one of your nuclear rocket engines? Well, more likely could have used one of our nuclear airplane engines. I worked on nuclear airplanes back in the late 50s. Uh, and that was a thought, but when you realize that the thing took off out over the Gulf, uh, it seems unlikely. Uh, my first thought when I heard about that case was, well, gee whiz, are we, did we revive the ANP program? That was a big program. Most people have never heard of it, but... In 1958, for example, we spent the General Electric Aircraft Nuclear Propulsion Department. We spent $100 million, employed 3,500 people, of whom 1,100 were engineers and scientists. It wasn't six professors and 20 grad students. It was a major effort. We never did fly a nuclear-powered airplane, as far as I know. We flew a small reactor on board an airplane to do radiation shielding experiments, which is quite another matter. But uh, that was my first thought was, gee, maybe the secret program went on. Uh, but I came away after talking with John Schuessler about that in some detail and meeting the people and so forth. It didn't seem appropriate to me to reach that conclusion from what I knew about our program. Well, uh, and it goes beyond that. The timing is one that just kind of eliminates most of that. You know what, folks? Not everybody who listens to the Paracast knows the ins and outs and inner details of all these cases. Stan or John, would either of you take a minute or so to kind of summarize what it's all about? You mean that case? Yes. The Cash Landrum case? Cash Landrum, yes. Okay, you have two women and one of them's grandson, and they're driving out in Texas, sort of in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of nowhere in Texas. And they but see near a major thing. metropolitan area. Well, near, but you know what I mean. It yeah. wasn't in, in the city. Uh, and there's this, this thing that's there, and they're very curious about it. They kind of, one gets out of the car, one stays sort of in the car, and they felt heat. It was a crazy thing, and it, the, the crazy thing here is that along come a bunch of black helicopters. Uh, well, the, no, it's dozens of Chinooks. I mean, more Chinooks than were anywhere near the location that this uh, event occurred. And so the crazy part is that the people came down with what would have to be described as radiation sickness. Hair coming out, burns, a bunch of stuff. I mean, real medical problems. We're not talking about, oh, my arm was a little warm. We're talking about the, the two women and the boy uh, having serious medical problems. And the, John Schusler, who was for some time the international director of the Mutual UFO Network and is an aerospace engineer, worked for McDonnell Douglas for decades, literally down in the Houston area, near where this was, St. Louis and then Houston, 
I did a, a great deal of investigation and uh, trying to pin down whose helicopters are these. And there was even a legal action brought against the government, which didn't go far about the damage yeah. done to the people. So it's a classic case, partly because John did a good job of writing it up. No exaggeration, no made-up stories. And we're still puzzled by it, because I don't know what the bottom line is on that, but I don't think it was one of ours. Well, I'm, uh, I'm sure of that. Okay, that's yeah, obviously the big question here. Just, excuse, okay, that's one of the big questions here, and one we'll have to continue to explore as we move to the next segment of the PowerCast, and that is... Is there any possibility at all that this was an accident involving our attempts to test some kind of aircraft with nuclear propulsion and it went wrong? John, you say that's not possible. Are we going to break or are we going to answer? Uh, Why don't you just start answering? We have about a minute. Okay. The, <laughs> the answer is not absolutely not ours. When you say not near, it's only about 40 miles outside of Houston. You don't test engines right. and you know wordcraft. You know we got place out here. You know where you do that sort of stuff. Uh, so that's highly uh, unlikely. What one of the aspects of this is that the story that the people told about the radiation is, is exactly consistent. Uh, Corey, the little boy, did not get much. He saw something, got scared, jumped in the back seat. One woman stood behind the door. She did not get as much radiation. The other got whole body radiation. Yeah. From what we know about the onset and severity of uh, symptoms, they were at LD100, meaning absolutely should have died. And yet okay. All right. That's a very important point, and that will be the breaking point. We have John Alexander, and we have Stanton Friedman with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Journeying into the final hour, a long journey, the fascinating stories, points and counterpoints with Stanton Friedman and John Alexander about UFO secrecy and the ramifications 
with Gene and Chris on the PowerCast. So, John, as we broke, you were about to say they suffered severe radiation, but the level of radiation that would normally kill people but didn't. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Okay. Although one of the women, Betty Cash, I think, died from leukemia, but like 20 years later. Yeah. But that is something that you would might get or contract because of radiation poisoning, right? Yes. I mean, but the problem is when you're dealing with an N of one, it is hard to attribute and say, yes, it definitely was this particular case that caused it. But to say that they were severely injured, absolutely true. In the lawsuit that followed, a guy by the name of, well, the Air Force got it and they threw it to the Army. They said the hooks were ours. And so a guy by the name of Colonel George Saran is the one who ended up investigating the case, did an excellent job, went out and looked at all of the potential aircraft. There was only one, well, one of the key issues is the date. Uh, by the way, the same date as uh, Bentwaters, uh, yeah. at least one of the Bentwaters incidents. But the point is, it's between Christmas and New Year's. And as most people know, we're in the military, and particularly at that time, you didn't do anything between Christmas and New Year's. This was kind of a stand-down time. You're at half, usually half-staffing. People are away on vacation. And you certainly don't test it near major metropolitan areas. And we That's checked sure. on all of the helicopters. You know, they just didn't exist, which to me is one of the more interesting pieces of the puzzle is to, you know, where they were there, were they, you know, holographic projections, were they, <laughs> you know, the ability to cause the people who were there to see things that uh, weren't there. And they weren't the only ones who saw them. Other people saw the helicopters as well. Yeah. Well, I remember reading somewhere that there, somebody did an investigation on the deployment and um, and the basing of double-bladed, you know, Sikorsky or Chinook-type helicopters, and that it would take almost the entire southwestern uh, United States' complement of these choppers to add up to the amount that we're seeing in various formations around this event. So you think possibly there was some sort of holographic? That, that's, an exagger- that's an exaggeration. I think so. Really? How, well, uh, how many I'm did they sure say that, that they saw? How many did, did they say they saw? It was close was to 50. 22 or 23. Well, no, there were 22 or 23 total helicopters. Some of okay. them were hooks. Okay. All right. So, well, let's move on. I, I, that's one that I, I've always felt was one of our most compelling cases. There's no it, doubt that it happened. No. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> radiation sickness is, uh, isn't caused by confabulation and, and you know, diswishful <laughs> thinking, believe me. But here's, here's an interesting question that's brought up by uh, Toxic Surf, one of our, our longtime posters. And they asked, does it seem to you lately that the mainstream media and the media in general are covering and propagating the myth-slash-reality of UFOs and the ETH to a greater degree than in the past. That's part one. And do you draw any conclusions as to why and if someone, in quotes, has pushed them in, in this direction, or is it just that right now aliens are selling? <laughs> I think that's a good question. I suggest they don't know history, but, uh, you know... If you go down and have the, who's the most popular presidents, uh, you'll find that folks that were 30, 40 years ago don't even rate on there. You just remember things that are. But go back into the 50s and look at the movies of the 50s and all the television programs and uh, all of that. Well, I think something else is involved here, too. I think uh, there's an old uh, line from a German physicist, uh, Max Planck, that 
new ideas come to be accepted, not because their opponents come to believe in them, but because their opponents die and a new generation grows up that's accustomed to them. He didn't say understands. So one thing that's happened greatly in the last few years is this whole business with exoplanets. Uh, you know, for a long time, we thought our solar system was the only group of planets in the whole darn universe, practically. And now we're finding them all over the place. There was just an announcement about 50 more exoplanets. And we have the uh, Kepler satellite. And the contrast, uh, there's an interesting change in numbers. The SETI people said there might be 8,000 places that could be sending signals in our galaxy, big galaxy. And now the Kepler people are saying, uh, gee, there could be 8 billion because <laughs> everywhere you turn, there are planets, planets, big ones, small ones, you know, dense ones, not so dense ones, all kinds. And what this has changed, I think, people's attitudes. If you talked about other life, you were looked at as, uh, you know, that's a little crazy. You're talking space travel and other beings. Why should we even think of such things? Well, now, now that we've been out there and now that we suddenly realize there isn't anything special about our solar system, except to us, <laughs> I presume, then I think it's changed the public attitudes. I think the younger generation has grown up with an entirely different mindset than mine and John's did about life out there and ever being contact and all the rest of that stuff. So yeah. I think the press coverage has been somewhat better, more interested. They're covering the stories because they know it sells, you know, as simple <laughs> as that. Well, and, yeah, that's one of the key issues is that they go with what sells. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, life in outer space, wow, you know, and part of that, too, is the world is a miserable place right now, isn't it, uh, for the last couple of years? No, I mean, seriously, in terms of overall, isn't everything great? Well, nobody's saying that, you know, everybody's no, saying everything's no, Stan, terrible. It's, get, it's getting grim, and it's getting grimmer. Yeah, the, yeah, so these are statistically, what I want to say is, if you look out there now, the, the probability of intelligent life developing out there, the statistical probability almost says it must be out there someplace. Well, yeah. You can't so wait a minute. Hold on. Stan, Stan, John just brought up a really good point. I think most of our viewing audience has a, a pretty good handle on Stanton Friedman's um, assertions about the extraterrestrial hypothesis. And, and I think it's safe to say, Stan, that you think that these objects that are true foes, in other words, UFOs that are truly unexplained and from somewhere else, that your feeling is that they're from elsewhere in this uh, galaxy or in this space-time continuum. In this, well, I'd say know. in this galaxy. As a matter of fact, I zero in on our local neighborhood. Right. I, I get a little tired with people talking about the galaxy. A couple hundred billion stars and a hundred thousand light years across. Well, well, there's, there's definitely there's some sort of intelligent life out there. I think we can all agree on that. But do you think that that intelligent life is responsible for thousands of years of interaction and uh, overflights of this particular little you know, orb floating in space. Do you think that these are ETs coming here for whatever reason? Well, I, I think it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, look at Barry Downing's book, The Bible and Flying Saucers, Old and New Testament, all kinds of cases we'd have to say typical UFOs. I think it's a standard practice for any advanced civilization to be concerned about its own survival and security. That means you check out the primitives in the neighborhood every so often to make sure they can't sneak up on you. 
And, uh, you know, before 1900, remember, on this planet, there was no flight, no nuclear, uh, not much radio, uh, you know, all kinds of things didn't exist. But remember, uh, Second World War, we killed 50 million of our own kind. We destroyed 1,700 cities. We had nuclear weapons. We had rockets packed with explosives. Look at, we talk about progress. Wow. In 1942, a big bomb was a 10-ton blockbuster. Made a pretty big dent in the ground. Okay, 45, we had our first atomic bombs. We're talking 15,000 tons of TNT equivalent. Seven years later, 1952, our first H-bomb, 10 million tons of TNT equivalent. Now, the key factor here is once you know that a society has figured out how its star works, which is nuclear fusion, and its little brother, nuclear fission, suddenly they're in a position to develop propulsion systems that will get them out to bother you. We did that with the Navy, for example. First bomb, 45. 1956, we had the Nautilus. Goes around the world underwater without coming to the surface. Many people aren't aware that we have nuclear-powered aircraft carriers that can operate for 18 years without refueling. And I'll tell you what, we'll go into more of those 18 years, but we won't take 18 years to explain it. We're talking to John Alexander, Stanton Friedman, with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Neighbors, do you need to bring the final touches to your latest podcasts clean up the soundtrack of that holiday video mix together a few takes from your last jamming session process the audio files of the video game you're creating to sound just right but look no further whatever audio related task you're looking to perform amadeus pro is the tool for you it's the swiss army knife of sound editing go to hairersoft.com h-a-i-r-e-r soft.com gold it's like nothing else on earth from the romans through the renaissance from the industrial age to the space age. Gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. 
Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. You know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health. And most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of most alkaline minerals available. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins and acid, helping you to regain your energy and health. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps the body to rid itself of acidic waste increases oxygen, and raises the pH of your body to optimal levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you'd like to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out at iTunes. It is not 18 years later. It's just three <laughs> minutes later on the Paracast with Gene and Chris, continuing this long discussion with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman. Let's move on a little bit here, unless you want to finish your previous point, Stan. Well, I just want to say that I worked on fusion propulsion systems back in the early 60s. If we wanted to spend the money, I'm not saying we should. I'm saying if we wanted to spend the money, we could build a star-traveling rocket using nuclear fusion. At 10 million times as much energy per particle kicked out the back end as in a chemical rocket. Now, if you were an alien, when you look at a group like ours with that 50 million people killed in one war and with a trillion-dollar military budget this year, uh, while how many thousand kids die every single day of preventable disease or starvation, you would be concerned about the idiots on planet Earth, I think. You can't ignore them. Yeah, I, so, well, I, I, I want to take it a slightly different direction, and that is I, I think the ETH only answers a small portion of the observations. 
And part of the problem is when you start talking about UFOs, I don't know what you mean because we got little balls of light that are flying around. We got big craft that, you know, more than a mile across that are seen in various sensor systems and everything in between. And it's in everything in between that's a problem. There are so many different kinds of things that are seen. Now, we've also talked about interaction. The point is there have been interactions between humans and sentient beings as long as we've had recorded history. Does that make them E.T.? Don't know. I mean, as you know, no, but I am I, in, in the book, it's, it says we're not even asking the right questions yet. Well, I think, though, if you look, if you were to come to uh, Indian Head, New Hampshire, oh, it'll probably be before this program is broadcast now that I think about it, but there's the 50th anniversary being celebrated of the Betty and Barney right. Hill case. And there's a case, took place 50 years ago, obviously, that seems to be an encounter with aliens and where we have some explanation after the star map work of where those guys might originate. And that gives you a whole different view of our place in the scheme of things, too. The two stars that are implicated there, interesting, the closest to each other pair of sun-like stars in our entire local neighborhood. They're only 39.3 light years from here, but from each other only about an eighth of a light year apart. So you have an entirely different situation where you've got a neighbor just down the street, uh, as opposed to us being 4.3 light years from the next star over. A key point is that they're a billion years older than the sun. And just down the street, there are a thousand stars within 50 light years of us. That's why I talked about local neighborhood. I don't care about out in the galaxy somewhere. All right, well, Stan Friedman is someone who has worked on nuclear propulsion systems early in your career. How do we get there? Yeah. How do they get to us? Do they have warp drive, wormholes, any of these well, extra techniques that allow you to get from here to there, not in years but in hours or days? Well, remember that at 1G acceleration, it only takes a year to get close to the speed of light. But at 99.99% of the speed of light, you can go 37 light years in six months pilot time. Go out, come back, marry your granddaughter's best friend. Uh, you know, yeah, but you're talking about pilot time. I'm talking about the actual physical time. Well, pilot time is uh, one measure of time. Sure, but I'm talking about the physical amount of time. Is there a warp drive? Can they do warp drive? Can they go into wormholes, black holes, whatever? Do they have these tricks? Can these well, tricks All I know be used? is that when you can give particles 10 million times as much energy per particle as you can get in a chemical rocket, you're going to expect some improvement. You know, the world has changed. Uh, look at computers today. I can remember, as I'm sure John can, 64K was a nice memory to have. And then it was 64M, and now it's 64G. <laughs> it's the, no, it's a thumb drive with 14 gig. Yeah. 16 gig. I'm, I'm yep. impressed. I'm really impressed by those things. But if you gave me one, I couldn't duplicate it. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, well, John, where do you come down on this? You you were starting you 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 had me going there for a second it's when you were saying there's too simple. much diversity amongst all simple. these. Yeah. I agree. The ETH is just too simple. Too many different things going on. I'll throw out one. I have asked repeatedly. I haven't come up with a sponsor yet. So what would I, what I think we need is a step back, a conference where you'd have people who have had a breadth of experience. What we need to put up on the wall is here are the observations, and to do that without attributing value, meaning it is not necessarily a UFO or cryptozoology or you know 
whatever the field may be. Here are the things that we observe and then start to do the micro pattern analysis. As I mentioned earlier, we have throughout recorded history uh, various kinds of interactions with beings. Now, some of them are pretty strange. You know, the whole stories of fairies. I've been in Hawaii yep. for a long time, the Minahuni, uh, and they take those as absolutely real. I just came back from Brazil. Uh, we were doing uh, in uh, Curitiba and some interesting study or uh, ceremonies down there. And I was in a room with people who were swearing we had creepy crawlers uh, that were coming in and visiting us. And I didn't see them myself, uh, but these people were saying, yep, we're having interactions with them right now. What are they no, called, no, Jeff? Like, I just call them creepy crawlers. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, uh, the, the that particular one, we had saw ones on Salta Daime, and uh, this was on Ato Garane. I might mention if you want to see some of this, it's actually on my website. But it uh, very, very strange. And we're talking a pretty whole realm of group. Uh, John, John, you're getting into the whole realm of human consciousness and, and, yep. and, and specific compounds that – that have uh, the ability, in in some people's interpretation, of opening up new aspects of consciousness and the perception of reality, um, yep. or or you know a beyond reality. Now, do you think that this plays into the UFO phenomenon? I I think they're totally related. I'll what? allow a little room there. Remember, the question is not what are UFOs. The question in my mind is are any UFOs intelligently controlled extraterrestrial spacecraft? My answer is yes. Most are not. I don't care. Just like most isotopes aren't fissionable. So what? You know, yeah, I, yeah, we would agree generally on that, yes. And it, I want to get are, but it doesn't explain all. And the problem that I no. see in the UFO community is they want to put it into all or nothing. Right. Yeah. Simple uh, one size fits all answer, which I really have a problem with, as listeners of this show know. How about John's website? I wanted to copy that down so I can go to it immediately. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, it's www.johnbalexander.com. Was that B or D? B, bravo. Alexander. Dot com. Just dot com. Okay, well, well, is, while you're writing that down, Stan. .com. <laughs> Stan, we have to get those remember? names before other people get them. Otherwise, they will not be available. You'll have to get StantonFriedman.xxx. Hey, we'll get into more of this with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database, so you get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to 
see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include microplant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. Big Berkey water filters are in high demand. Storable foods are also in high demand. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has always kept our focus on the Berkey water filter products. But increasingly, our customers have been asking for storable foods. After months of research, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com now offers great-tasting, long-lasting, storable foods. These ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches. All you do is just add water. And because they're sealed so well, they come with a 25-year shelf life. Combine our Berkey water filters, which are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water with our storable foods, and you have a winning combination. Remember, we offer free shipping on every order over $50, and GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY today. Hey, Brian, if you could do just one thing today to ensure your family's food security, what would it be? That's easy, Bill. I'd head straight to SoupBeansurvival.com. SoupBeansurvival.com? I know, Bill, it sounds crazy, but this ancient secret has been around for over 8,000 years, and it truly is nature's super survival food. Really, Brian, the number one survival food? Well, certainly the forgotten survival food. Absolutely, Bill. The folks at SoupBeansurvival.com scoured our planet to find the very best heirloom seeds to truly find nature's super survival food. Brian, these aren't grocery store beans, are they? No way, Bill. You're not going to find these beans in any grocery store. These are the absolute highest quality beans in the world. Visit SoupBeansurvival.com. That's SoupBeansurvival.com for all the information you're going to need for nature's super survival food. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. With John Alexander and Stanton Friedman joining Gene and Chris on the Paracast, covering a whole range of subjects related to UFOs, secrecies, what we know, what we didn't know. Chris, you're about to frame a question. I, I was, and this this is a question from, again, one of our forum uh, listeners and, and posters, Williams520, who's a fairly new addition to the Paracast forum family. 
And he asked, what does Stanton think about the idea that UFOs may be, or, you know, he says UFOs in a blanket statement, but let's say some UFOs may be from another dimension or from the future or possibly some sort of race or races, I would add intelligences, that are already here. Well, I'm not saying there are no such creatures. That's not the question I'm asking. I'm asking, are any intelligently controlled extraterrestrial spacecraft? My answer is yes. Are any secret government systems? My answer is yes. Are any uh, figments of the imagination? My answer is yes. I'm focused on the ones that indicate technology from afar, because if we had it, we'd be using it because we developed such technology for military purposes. Nobody else can afford to spend the money, frankly. So uh, I allow room for all kinds of weird stuff, but it's not my focus. Uh, I can only be spread so thin. I mean, I'm only 77. I, how much time do I have left? <laughs> which trip? <laughs> Good question. I love it. Well, I said, which I, I happen to get into the reincarnation issue, which is probably a different conversation. Well, yeah, it's an interesting one to me, too. And, uh, you know, someday we'll talk about that. But uh, I don't talk about that in my book, so. <laughs> I got enough trouble sticking to the flying saucers and cosmic water gate and fusion propulsion. And I'll, let me throw one other idea in here that this is at a certain, a special point in history. You know, we gave Copernicus credit for taking man out of the center of the universe. The center of the universe is the sun. And remember, his book was banned for 300 years because everybody knew the earth was the middle of the universe. Okay, now we know the sun isn't the middle of the universe. It's a huge place out there. There are all kinds of other heavenly bodies and not so heavenly bodies out there. And we need to look at things in an entirely different way. And... One of the ways that's a problem is our ego. Suddenly, we're not the big shots we'd like to think we are. And I know there are people who think the world was created in 4004 B.C. I think it was October 25th. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, and so that wasn't very long ago. But if you say you left out six zeros, then it makes man's place in the scheme of things entirely different. And I think every civilization has to go through a period of time when they think they're it, because they don't have any connection with any place else. They don't have any big telescopes. They don't have space travel, all the rest of that. And then there comes a point where it's, uh-oh, we're not on the top of the heap. Some people have trouble with that, I think. I have a question that occurs to me, Stan, because a lot of the viewpoints you've expressed, you have discussed over a number of years with different levels of evidence. Are there any assumptions that maybe you had about UFOs 20 or 30 years ago that have changed in any way? Yeah, I probably have focused much more today than I did 20 or 30 years ago on the fact that we are a threat uh, to the neighborhood, uh, that any advanced civilization would want to quarantine us, not join with us, that our history would give anybody concern, uh, not just because of killing 50 million people in the Second World War, and I know a lot of young people have no idea when I say that. They look at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. some, some woman with a college education told me no more than three or four million people were killed during the war. She's got a little learning to do. So I focus much more on that sort of thing than I used to. And uh, my understanding of government has changed a bit, too. And we, John and I kind of come to different conclusions about that. 
I think there's an MJ-12 out there with a different name, of course, but uh, and I think they're running that show. Uh, whether we'll ever find out, I don't know. I don't expect any deathbed confessions. Do you, John? Well, I, I of course don't think there's anything to confess to, but yeah, um, I understand. You know, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I mean, if you want a different discussion, we can talk about where government is headed, and that. And I have rather dire predictions, and we've entered a plutocracy, and I think we're approaching the um, certainly the end of capitalism, if not democracy, as we've known it. They, those things scare me too, and I must admit that. And, uh, you know, where do we go from here in this new world of ours with its new technology and instant communications all over the planet? I mean, the Internet, if you'd have talked about the Internet 60 years ago, they'd have put you in the loony bin, John, don't you think? Oh, yeah. We we agree with that. And the technology is uh, certainly moving. Of course, a big issue is going to be who controls it and uh, for what purpose. One of the things that I wrote to in my real life uh, in a monograph a while back had to do with, uh, you know, I came up and said, look, the, the nation state is a failing concept, meaning that uh, countries as we've known yeah. them are no longer as significant as they were in the past. Well, I ag- certainly agree with that, and I can't imagine the Galactic Federation allowing membership from individual countries. got to be a planet. Uh, <laughs> You know, the U.N. doesn't allow cities to join. Why would the Galactic Federation especially allow a primitive society like ours, whose major activity is tribal warfare? So they would look at us as an entire planet, not a bunch of tribes or countries or whatever. They wouldn't think of us in those terms. Right. We're all Earthlings. So we have to then get to the point of if the E.T. representatives come here, whoever and whatever they are. And they say, take us to your leader. To whom do we take them? There isn't one. Yeah, that's true. I mean, one of the things I point out is that, you know, there's now uh, 196 countries. Something like that. You know, we get totally focused on the U.S., and we're only 4% of the global population, 6% of the land mass, less than 2% of the surface. So why is it you got to come here? When I get political, I say, why wouldn't they go to a rising power like China, Brazil, or India? Or India, yes. Would Uh, they even care about our local politics? Why would it make a difference to them? Because we are a threat to them. How are we a threat to them unless we can take off and go there? How are we a threat to them if we just try to destroy ourselves? If you look at the trend in technology, using nuclear fusion, we can take off and go there. Not yet. That would, Maybe a hundred well, years from now. You're going to wait until the guy is standing on your doorstep with a bomb? I don't think so. So therefore that dictates that they would be hostile. They'd come here and say, either get your act together, as they said in the movie Day the Earth Stood Still, get your act together or we'll take you out. No, it's get your act together before you come out to bother us. They are not going to do a preemptive strike. I think there are some rules about that. We hope. I think there are rules. You have to hope there is a a prime directive, a non-interference treaty or agreement amongst the powers of this galactic federation that say, leave those earthlings alone. If they get a little too close for comfort, 
we could stop them, head them off with a pass, or convey the proper message. Sure. Yeah. Well, where do you come down on that, John? What do you think about this conversation? uh, Yeah, very similar, uh, actually. Uh, The point is that I think that any agency out there, I think these movies that, you know, show the hostile interaction are just totally specious. Uh, they're not going to fight us mano a mano like, you know, Battlefield no. L.A. Um, and to those people who say, well, E.T.'s here and they're benevolent and helping us, I say, you know, if they came, they came with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You know, they certainly have not done anything to help with, uh, Stan's mentioned, the wars that are ongoing, poverty, uh, food, water scarcity, the whole, yeah. you know, uh, geography and uh, you don't give a three-year-old a loaded gun to play with i'll tell you what we all know for three years old or five we have stanton friedman and john alexander collectively a lot more than three or three oh but not 300 <laughs> if you're listening to gene and chris you're in the paracast America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Jason Lewis here. We talk daily about all the crazy stuff happening around the world. Concerns with the economy, job loss, and natural disasters, just to name a few. Let me ask you, what are you doing to be prepared? How will you provide for your family in an emergency? Well, for my preparation, I recommend WiseFoodStorage.com. WiseFoodStorage.com offers delicious, ready-made, freeze-dry meals that carry a 25-year shelf life, and you prepare them in minutes by simply adding water. Wise Food Storage entrees are packaged in individual metal mylar pouches then stored in convenient grab-and-go plastic containers for freshness and easy transport go to wisefoodstorage.com today to request a free entree sample and for a limited time enter the promo code lewis to get free shipping on any order call 855 food wise that's 855-366-3947 or visit w-i-s-e foodstorage.com wisefoodstorage.com gourmet emergency food at the best price If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. 
First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday, and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L, and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. Hi, this is Ted Phillips listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe me. Hey there, neighbors. If you have a comment or a question about the Paracast, we want to hear from you first. Write us, news at theparacast.com. Once again, that's news at theparacast.com. Our final segment, folks, with Gene and Chris and the Paracast, with John Alexander and Stanton Friedman, a very amiable debate about the issues. So in the end here, we'd be a threat to E.T. if we go there and bring our bombs but otherwise not. But then again, doesn't that present the possibility that our visitors have to be a potential threat? So, John Alexander, if you're saying the government doesn't really care, doesn't that show even a theoretical possibility that they must care? No, simply does not meet this. There's one number that's important. And that number today is fourteen trillion seven hundred and eighteen billion five hundred and ninety eight uh, million, million et cetera, et cetera. And that's the debt. That overwhelms everything. Just as as I said before, not on the scope. They just haven't got time to listen. Well, I certainly agree with John that I can see no signs of people on this planet mounting a group to go out there and bother them. I I would agree with that. On the other hand, one might ask, uh, what are we spending this year, a trillion dollars on things military? Some people might say there might be a better way to spend that money. Sure, but we're not spending it on the space program, certainly. We've cut back Uh, on the space program. You'd think if we had the slightest inkling that E.T. was out there, wouldn't that be an incentive to enhance our space program? Or do either of you believe in a secret space program that is really accomplishing whatever we expect the public space program to accomplish? In, in my view, not in the slightest. Um, like I, I haven't I seen the movie the Apollo 18. <laughs> I haven't seen it money. yet. So. You better hurry yeah. because that thing's going to disappear from Don't the multiplex in about an hour. Your money. 
Yeah. You know, no, no, yeah. Not going to last long. But no, the point is that uh, we're actually in, in space. We're in transition in two areas. One is moving into the civilian sector. We're going to take yeah. over. Uh, the other has to do with the, the leader is going to become China. And, you know, they're en route to yeah. uh, the moon and beyond. So they're the ones that are going to be pressing it. Do we have a secret program? Well, uh, if you, I mean, we have just uh, used up uh, all the money in the piggy bank and borrowed a whole lot more. So, and it stands right when he starts talking about if we had these technologies, you would have seen it. We got wars that have just been eating our lunch. And I think the American public just do not even begin to understand you know, what the costs are going to be. Uh, you mentioned a trillion dollars. We've got, you know, three trillion locked up uh, in these wars when you amortize everything. And there's nothing left, left over. And you look at what was going on in right. Apollo, we're down, you know, an order of magnitude below that in spending. Well, and you know, you know what, what bugs me is that when I worked on the space program, I and everybody else I knew in the space program thought that by this time, We'd have had a base on the moon. We'd have gone to Mars. And what I find most disquieting is that I think what's been missing is leadership. I look at Admiral Rickover getting the, the nuclear Navy moving, despite the uh, opponents in the battleship boys and all that sort of stuff. And I look at – I worked on at least four different programs that needed Rickover's kind of leadership. Some people hated his guts. I, I realize that. But he said, this is where we're going Let's get there. If you don't want to go there, get off the train. And we haven't had any space leadership since Kennedy said get to the moon by the end of the decade. We just want the money coming in. So, I'm, John, I'm glad you mentioned the civilian space program, uh, let the civilians get in the act. What characterizes capitalism is the right to fail. Look at all the computer companies that uh, don't exist anymore. But some guys have done very well. That competition is what, what drives things, and seeing that there's a benefit to be gained if you are successful. And we haven't done that with space, I'm afraid. And I, I'm terribly disappointed with that, because I thought my great-grandson would be growing up in a much more space-related time than we are. Uh, that's a disappointment to me. I think we blew it. Well, yeah, what well, do we do then to bring it back? Is there, was, is there a way or an incentive to convey the impression that we really have to get into space? I would have thought the UFO mystery would have done it, but what do I know? Well, I think there's a national security aspect there that gets in the way. No, I don't. I, I think what's happening now, and, and what's happened, I know both Burger Tan and, and Bob Bigelow, and what Bert attacked in uh, Spaceship One was basically the business model. Um, you know, for $25 million, he built Spaceship One, the White Knight, uh, two separate rocket uh, designs, and this, all the supporting mechanism, and NASA couldn't do the paperwork for that. I was recently talking to Bob, I had access, I wanted to confirm some things, and I was amortizing his cost. Uh, based on you know cubic footage available of an object uh, in orbit, um, and his I asked him and he said I had guessed it was about thirty to one and he said that's very conservative. 
So the point is that these people are attacking the business model. Now, Virgin Galactic right now, I'm looking at their numbers, 430 people have signed up to become astronauts at $200,000 a pop. So there are some uh, things to be gained, you know, money to be made there. Well, we're probably in full agreement on the need for the the private space program. Uh, The government had its shot at it and blew it, as far as I'm concerned. We need a Dr. Hans Zarkov to invent his spaceship, and that's how we solve the problem. John Alexander, you listened, as you have in the past, to what Stanton Friedman has said about UFO secrecy, the cosmic water gate. Has he said anything that changes your opinion in any way? No, but one of the things I'd like to say is, because I get asked about my agenda, and it's really quite simple and a little different, and that is that I think what we need to do is to make it permissible for scientists to get actively involved in these fields without risking their reputation uh, or livelihood. Here, here. That's that's a biggie. Yeah, I I constantly rail about the ancient academics and fossilized physicists who stand in the way of people doing what needs to be done because, oh, my God, don't tell anybody I'm interested. I might lose tenure. Well, you're way past that, Stan. (laughs) Me? Yeah, I'm well past that. I don't worry about tenure. I'm my own boss. Thank goodness. (laughs) Okay, so I will ask the same question. If he's like me, you can can see the scars. (laughs) Stan, I'll ask the same question of you. Anything you've heard from John Alexander during the past couple of hours or so change any of your viewpoints at all? Well, we are certainly in agreement about a number of things. Let's face it. And I I was very interested in his comments about Corso and stuff. And I think we we disagree about how deep is the cover-up. He doesn't think there is one. I say there is one, but it's very deep. And I wish somebody who was part of that would come forward. Darn it, make my life a lot easier. You're here. <laughs> but it's kind of doubtful at this point that they'll do it. If they've been able to keep it a secret, assuming it is a secret for over 60 years, how can anyone expect they would possibly suddenly reveal something unless they were forced to do so? Stanton Friedman, where do we find more of the things that you talk and write about? Say that again? Oh, uh, I, I misunderstood the question. And try my website at www.stantonfriedman.com. It lists the books. It lists the upcoming lectures uh, and some provocative articles, including a long one on Majestic 12, which deals with the objections that have been made over the years. Try it out. Okay, John Alexander, where do we find more of the things that you write about? Well, of course... Uh my latest book is UFOs, Myths, Conspiracies, and Realities. Um, I cover a lot of different areas, uh, phenomenology being only one of those. And my website is the same thing, my name, www.johnbalexander. That's Bravo, which in the middle initial is important, uh, johnbalexander.com. Okay, so you'll both obviously answer letters from your readers. Chris, where do yeah. we find more of your stuff? Well, I'm a moderator at forum.theparacast.com, and I have a website called OurStrangePlanet.com. It is a strange planet, and it's Our Strange Planet. A special thank you to both John Alexander and Stanton Friedman. Thank you, gentlemen, for being a part of this week's episode of the Paracast. Been fun. 
the Paracast, featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien, is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast.